I'm going I'm to take a bite first. Mm. That's good. This then could be your food. Okay, welcome food and music connoisseurs to This Band Could Be Your Food, your weekly life distraction where we ponder the pressing question, what food is this band? Do you know what I mean? Like you have a band and then you take a look at that band and you pick apart all the different elements about them, like where they're from, what kind of music do they play, what are their inspirations, what do they look like, all that stuff. I think if you take every single piece apart and you put it back together, you can construct a food. And it just so happens that there's a lot of food out there. So so I think we're going to go ahead and see if we can assign a food to each band and a band to each food. I, I bet there's about the same amount of each, really. This week I brought back my good friend Charlie Schmidt. Now, he was with me last week and we did the Ramones. Now, I'm a bit of a historian when it comes to Ramones history, so... I, you know, I, I, I talked a lot. Uh, but this week we did uh, one of his big bands, Motley Crue. He was a drummer in a Motley Crue tribute band in high school. We're going to talk about that a little bit. His wife is one of the biggest Motley Crue fans I've ever met in my life. Her name is uh, Kristen J. Sole. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Uh, forgive me. But uh, she is the author of a book called Witches, Sluts, and Feminists. She's the author of a, a number of books. Um, that's one of her biggest ones. But check her out. She's great. She is exactly what you would expect from the biggest Motley Crue fan out there. Anyways, so we're going to get into it. Me and Charlie talking about Motley Crue, trying to make her proud of us all. Um, so polish up your omelets. Here we go. Motley Crue. Pow. talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and you know I'm happy with a lot of people that came in I'm happy the Go-Go's are finally in I love the Go-Go's and like there's no other band that's like all ladies they write their own songs they're like in charge I mean not any but I mean like at the time they were the only ones that did it yeah 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 and that first record I listened to a lot it's great every summer I put it on wow yeah it's great summer I should check it out actually I'm not I only know the hits yeah Uh, admittedly I'm not it's it they're they're rocking out they're pretty punk nice you know but um one band that's uh still missing from the rock and roll hall of fame is motley crew yeah that's what's odd. up with that why is that the case it seems like if anything a band like that could just maybe buy their way in if they wanted to they yeah have so much money but they don't need to i mean sure what's more rock and roll than than motley crew's first record or even dr feelgood i mean i don't know it seems like that's where rock and roll went because of them. Yeah. Seems totally legit. Like if you talk about uh, an influential band, you mm-hmm. know, like these guys, you know, they really merged punk rock with hair metal, as you were saying, mm-hmm. and just heavy metal and created something new out of the ashes of like the death of punk rock, which was, you know, losing its its luster towards, you know, 1980. I don't know what what year did that first record come out? Was that eighty one? They yeah they they hit on the scene in eighty one, so they must have worked quick. 
they must have worked really quickly. Uh, you know, I have a feeling that Nikki Six maybe had a majority of those songs on the deck. Yeah. He needed the right energy to bring them out. Sure, sure. And so that's a little bit of what The Dirt covers. Hey, folks, just so you know, The Dirt is an autobiography that all four members of Motley Crue contributed to back in 2006. It's also the source of the movie that they did for Netflix a couple of years ago. So just so you know, back to the conversation. They got rid of a singer. They got rid of a guitar player. They found, you know, McMars um, soon after. Tommy was obviously the sort of the linchpin there in the beginning. Yeah, right, you know. Um, yeah. Well, it, the history of the band was Tommy Lee and Nikki Six essentially like seeing each other's bands and saying, you know, as soon as London was done, and that's Nikki Six's first band. Now, was London another theatrical band? I, you know, I think London was just straight up like '80s hair metal songwriting. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know that they were. Maybe that's in fact why Nikki Six departed. Is he wanted to do something on a on a grander scale? Yeah. Obviously, being such a huge New York Dolls fan. Mm -hmm. you know probably had ties there in there to kiss you know about yeah. like you know and just you know the way i look at nikki six is it's just like you know you, you he he knew you couldn't have the songs without the marketing yeah you needed that and we talked about that on the last podcast with the ramones for sure the marketing there's really no band that's going anywhere without good marketing it, like yeah you know and it's it's funny that you know like with a band like the ramones exactly you just think oh these guys just happen to run into each other you know, right. like they, they grew up in the same cave and, you yeah. know, you know, like they just have an image where they, you know, like this is clearly effortless because, you know, in many ways it is, but yeah. it's also very much manufactured, you know, like Tommy Ramon had the entire vision the whole time, you know, he put it together. I mean, it was just as much of a piece together musical act as Britney Spears. I mean, not quite to that extent, but right. you know, like right. where every song that Britney Spears has is, has at least you know, 10 songwriters. And that was like boiled down from like a hundred. Right. I, you know, I know somebody that was like part of the process. Like really, he, he drove, he wrote like the beat and I, you know, I'd heard like they would just go into a house and everybody would just like write like a hundred songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they would just kind of piece together like the good parts and then just make an album out of it that way. I don't know how true that is, but that's what I've heard. Well, I mean, I've heard, I've heard practices of, you know, a buddy of mine worked with a, with a really promising singer songwriter, like 10 years back and she cut a single and it 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 you know she made a youtube video for it and the youtube video went viral so yeah. she attracted the heads of labels and a and r contacted her and the it's sad but the best thing she got from it was she got to be one of 15 people in a writing room in la working for just a label and they were just trying to pitch to just artists because they you know sometimes it's like they factory farm the songs for someone sure or they just kind of put you in a think tank and just see if they could sell a song to you know i don't know i'm going really really far back here but like kylie minogue or somebody you know sure like, well i mean we if you want to go far back i mean like even i you know you want to say the monkeys or motown or like it's been that way for a long time like the yeah. songwriters are the songwriters right and um the performers are the performers yeah. um but obviously in the case of motley Crue. It's Nikki Six. Well, I was going to say, you know, now it's like, you know, in some of these bands, you have, now you have the, the sort of like the producer, the visionary in the band, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Now you yeah. can start to see, you know, because um, Nikki Six is ghostwritten for a lot of other people as well, even after that. I think they, maybe there's an Avril Lavigne song somewhere around there that he is, yeah, sort of like whipped up. Oh, I know. <laughs> I was, I was reading up on him. He uh, helped co write uh, Bad Out of Hell 3. 
Okay, yeah. <laughs> yep. He did, yeah. And there's there's another song that he wrote too that was like I remember I hear I heard the credits on it and I was like, Oh man, he did that. Um but so okay, so you know, admittedly, in this podcast, we're going to end up googling stuff. This is yeah. just the way we live in a we, modern age. Absolutely. Um, obviously, we want to be as factually correct as we can. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. So, and this is I'm really I'm really proud to have googled this, and I'm, I'm going to read it out loud right now yes. because it's it's very, it's not only funny but it's also extremely probably true. But it, <laughs> it has been said in interviews that Motley Crue has been officially banned from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of their bad behavior. <laughs> Now, now, that is next level rock and roll. Thank you. <laughs> They're so rock and roll. Thank They're you. Too rock and roll for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That, and you know, <laughs> that epitomizes the, the 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 characterization and the living through of true art. When Van Gogh cut his ear off, right? Yeah. So, this is just you know they're just they're living. And, you know, to be honest, we talked a little bit about this last time with the Ramones and Bruce Springsteen. These mega groups are gone. They'll never be around again. I mean, yeah, yeah. There'll, be other, there'll be other smaller divisions of music that are very large. And look, there's a lot more people on the earth than there was in 1981. Sure. But, you know, we're not going to see Def Leppard anymore or Joan Jett or, you know, these huge acts where it's like you're going to pack a stadium in every city you go. That's right. Um and again, you know, we might, ha we'll always have it with, you know, like a Lady Gaga or, you know, an Ed Sheeran, obviously, but not in the capacity that these guys like did it, you know, even we, you know, in the 2000s, I'm going to go off on a rant a little bit. We got to see the killers. We got to see, um, Kings of Leon. These yeah. guys were arena rock bands, Yeah, but maybe the last go at that could be, you know, Yeah, I think, and you know. I'm always I, I'm proven wrong every day. So of course, it's, it's not yeah. like you know. I'm I'm skeptical about it too, and and you know part of it is is the fact that like the Stones keep going on tour. Molly mm -hmm. Crew is even if they after they sign a contract says we're never going to do this again. They they five years later they announce they're going back on the road. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they won't go away, and right. you know people are gonna keep going to see them, and as long as they're there, like they sort of take that rock and roll need that people have right. you know like you want to go see a rock and roll show are you going to take a chance on this new band that's playing over at arlene's grocery or are you going to go see a band that you know mm -hmm. is going to bring a great show and they do every single time right so you know and there's only so much time and you know so much energy that people have to go see shows so i don't know yeah. it's true we are proven wrong i mean it used to be every 10 years there would be a new class of rock and roll like there mm -hmm. was you know, the Nirvana in like 91, and, mm -hmm. and that spawned all of this rock and roll. Then like 10 years later, it was like the White Stripes and the Strokes and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but like since then, it's just been kind of like hit or miss. Like you're right, like the uh, Kings of Leon and um, man, who else? I mean, it's, it's rarely just and... like a genuine rock and roll. It's kind of like, you know, masked in certain ways. Or like Black yeah. Keys. Black Keys is still kind of doing sure. it, even though they're, I don't know. Yeah. more blues based and but right yeah the so. marcus king band is doing cool stuff he you know to me he's like the reincarnation of like a greg allman like he's doing it yeah and it's like you know you start to see these you know like my sister loves that chris stapleton album the traveler 
Mm. And I think Chris Stapleton is is a genius. Yeah. And it's like a new hybrid of country. I'm a little more leaning towards like the Sturgill Simpson yeah. aspect of it, where it's like, I'm going to bring a horn band with me and we're just going to get wild and weird. And it's going to be really interesting. You totally. Know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I mean, look, I'll always blame the labels and there's more money floating around today for art than there's ever been. It's been said that like all of the courage has gone out of art because people don't want to take a chance anymore on something that might not sell. And exactly. that's all you had in the sixties and the seventies and the eighties is people getting money yeah. to, well, let's see what they do. Totally. Let's see what they do. And then yeah. they would go and, you know, Fleetwood Mac lived in a house for like 11 years yeah. before they came out. And the label kept giving them money. Totally. They, <laughs> and how many records did they have already out with like various different lineups yeah. before they finally hit it, you know, with Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham? Insane. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. even then they knew, like they were, I mean. And, and, if, the, and if the labels hadn't done it, it never would have happened. You would they not would have Fleetwood Mac. would never have been Fleetwood Mac. Exactly. So there yeah. you go, labels. Yeah. Get to it. We we need you. We need your money. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, too. If you check out the Sound City documentary, there's a lot of that in there. Tom Petty actually has a, a, a little cameo in that. And he says, we got money for a record. I didn't know what I was doing. We didn't have a record. Yeah. We had some ideas. But without funneling money into Tom Petty's back pocket, you know, you don't. You don't get that, you know, the first go, you don't get like damn the torpedoes. Yeah. Because it takes, it took yeah. that to get that. Probably nobody on this earth that knows more about Motley Crue than than Charlie over here. <laughs> <laughs> probably, maybe, maybe, probably Kristen, but she can't really talk right now because she got COVID. <laughs> ah, her okay. breathing is really messed up. But right. I'm representing for her. All I have right. her over text message if I need her. <laughs> Do you? Okay, it's good to have a phone a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably not a not a bigger Motley Crue fan hmm. than me. But yeah, thank sure. you. <laughs> you actually played drums in a Motley Crue band. Correct? I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, for, for a short time, uh, before I went to college, uh, I was all of about 17 and, um, yeah, we would, we would play, you know, village pub and, and, and revolutions and all these bars on Long Island. And, uh, it was really fun getting to be, getting to be Tommy Lee for a little bit. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. His drumming seems like a lot of fun. Major fun. Yeah. Major fun. You know, it was perfect for those who, you know, cause I, I've played a lot of, I've played a lot of thrash and death metal too. And it's like, you know, you're working so hard behind the pedals to keep the footwork in sync mm -hmm. but with motley Crue, you're just sort of like stepping these big fat like <laughs> it felt good you know it had these big these big i used to call them red apples it was these two camco pedals that each one of them probably weighed a good seven or eight pounds you know and they had these red wooden beaters on either side and like you know you got those two kick drums working and it felt like you were you were really driving the bus <laughs> that's great <laughs> Nice. So we have to dissect Motley Crue. Um, Motley Crue comes from L.A. Background history. We've got, uh, we'll start with Nikki Six, half Italian. Um, but his father 
was not in the picture very early on. And it seemed like his mom left the picture shortly after that. He was like raised by his grandparents. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got, uh, you've got Tommy Lee born in Greece. He moved to California when he was one. And I think he probably had the most normal upbringing of anybody. Yeah, I'd say so. His parents seemed to be pretty, pretty involved in his life. Pretty loving, you know, fostered his musical talent, drumming and everything. Yeah. Then you've got Mick Mars uh, from Parts Unknown. Yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. I have no idea about him. I mean, I'm sure I could just probably Google it, but I don't know where Mick Mars is from. <laughs> I think it's better to make it up. You know, he really does. When I saw Motley Crue at the Staples Center in LA on their farewell tour, quote unquote farewell, they do this thing where they play Home Sweet Home from the back of the arena. And from where I was sitting, they walked right past me. And Mick Mars is... You know, he's he's like, he looks like he's from another world. Yeah. You know, like when he walks by you, he's got this kind of energy, this, what what just what just walked by me? You know, <laughs> what, what is yeah. that? You know, it's like, yeah. but yeah. Well, the disease that he has doesn't help. It's degenerative. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you playing at home wondering what we're talking about, we're talking about Mick Mars, the guitar player of Motley Crue, who has this terrible disease called ankylosing spondylitis, which is like, fused his bones together, makes it impossible for him to walk, but somehow he maintains the ability to play guitar. No idea. Uh, and I think that's why Motley Crue continues to say that they're retiring, among other reasons, but somehow uh, they keep going back on tour. And uh, yeah, they just announced they're going on tour with Poison and Def Leppard and Joan Jett. And so anyways, that's what we're referring to here. Carry on. Uh, when I think of Motley Crue, I think of Fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a hot food. Um, Vince Neil, mm-hmm. um, half Mexican, yeah. half Native American, from California. So we've got Mexican, California, Cali Mex, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Now their songs are short. They're potent. They're powerful. You want one after another after another. I want to say tacos. That's that's a good one. Tacos. That is a good one. I have to say because yeah. When you yeah. go out for tacos, you know, they give you three. Yeah. You're always inclined to do maybe yeah. a fourth or a Can fifth. I get a fourth one, yeah. please? Yeah. Good or, call. Or do I have to buy another three-pack? Because I will. Yeah. I'll buy six if I have to. That's a, you know, and that's, that's a, you know, being out in LA, it's some of the, obviously, I'm not saying anything that nobody already knows, but it's some of the best Mexican food you'll ever have. Exactly. In LA. And it's the California-style food, the California, um, which is traditionally more fish and vegetables and you know you, you get whole beans instead of refried beans mm-hmm. um but uh for this one there has to be alcohol involved yeah it seems true. to be a big part of their story is the is the, the partying so we've got to marinate something and um it's gonna have to be meat so i marinated a nice piece of skirt steak and we are gonna make california style skirt steak tacos everybody buckle up here we go have to be those four that was the contracts that they signed they said we will not do motley crew unless all four members of motley crew are signing on to be aboard right um i think they put it in the press that the contract was something different like mm-hmm. we're never going to do this again but obviously they put clauses in and they've decided to 
uh, you know, resurrect the old band. And I'd love to go see that show. Um, the Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Poison, Joy, Joe Jet. Yeah. Yeah. That was going to be a big, a big tour. I was, it was, it's going to, I think that they've already rescheduled. Oh, they did. Yeah. Okay. It's going to happen. I will be there. Yeah. I will be there. Def Leppard. I would go, but I wouldn't, I'm not going to watch Poison. (laughs) Poison. Poison. You know, I'm just going to say this quickly because a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but I like to talk about it. I'm Mm -hmm. a huge Poison fan. Yeah. I think their early catalog is just chock full of hits. There are some hits. I mean, come on, man. Do you know know what food poison is? No, what? Cotton candy. (laughs) Why? They they look and sound like cotton candy. Because once you put it, once you put it in your mouth, you realize there's no sustenance, there's there's no nutrition. Yeah, you just just keep, you just keep eating more until you're rotten inside. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Thank God we're not going to make any cotton candy here. Now, I saw something interesting on Instagram that uh, Nikki Six shouted out John Bon Jovi in a really, really negative way. Okay. Uh, he posted like a little, you know, sort of fake poster of like, you know, Johnny, Johnny Bon Jovi, paper towels, slippery when wet, you know, like, <laughs> and uh, he, he posted, he was like, where was John during the pandemic? And I was like, wow. So I had to look that up. Is there bad blood between John Bon Jovi and Nikki Six? And apparently... There's there's quite a lot of bad blood there. Really? I think maybe something had happened on a tour. Uh, Motley Crue. Did they tour together? Oh yeah, yeah, they definitely did. I'd have to look it up, but apparently there was some real. Look, you don't get into Motley Crue's presence and and not have like you know a TV fly out the window and and hit your tour bus or you know them put like a you know a rotten Ziploc bag full of milk underneath your, your drum throne or something, you know, I'm sure that the, the, what these guys probably thought of, uh, yeah. you know, could, could rival, uh, the guys from Jackass, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So there had to have been something there where, you know, they have so many beefs with so many bands. Like they do. Well, there was the big fight. Wasn't it between Vince Neil and Axl Rose? When didn't No, it was Vince Neil and Izzy Stradlin. Yes. He went and punched Izzy Stradlin. Yes. And then Axel Rose like challenged him to like a filmed boxing fight. Right. Like they were, you know, like in interviews being like, Vince Neil, when you're ready to throw down, I'm I'm there. I remember that. That was on like I don't know, what was that? Like maybe like twelve? Yeah. I'm watching two grown men with <laughs> with careers in the entertainment industry threaten each other on MTV. Yeah. yeah. And of course MTV printed it because MTV is That's... you know that's what just for. making money yeah exactly. <laughs> there's a lot of and this is you know we're, we're relating this back to this is why they're not allowed in the rock and roll hall of fame because of so much of their sort of like their backhanding nature of them teasing you know bon jovi and all the other bands that they toured with yeah. um but it's rock and roll man yeah why are you trying to take the rock and roll hall of fame and make it this like sterling mount olympus institution it's not it's rock and roll. I mean, and forget about, I mean, Motley Crue. I mean, did you ever read about the Mamas and the Papas? <laughs> I mean, they, that's like 20 years before Motley Crue. Those yeah. guys didn't, I mean, come on now. And, and you know, just, but yeah, but like their music didn't reflect it. No, their music didn't reflect it. So, I mean, it's like, okay, we, we have art and music, you know, famously made by people who are barely scraping by. They're in the yeah. dregs of society. You yeah. Know? 
I mean, you know, we were talking about the Ramones, you know. Mm-hmm. Joey Ramone is he was was autistic pretty much, right? No, not autistic. He was majorly OCD. Okay. Like they would go crazy before they would go on tour, he would have to like he would have to go up the stairs mm-hmm. a certain number of times. He'd have to touch like the top of the door. Like mm-hmm. it would take him like the band would be sitting in the van waiting for Joey Ramone to like go up the stairs enough times. And if he did it wrong, then he'd have to do it again and like right. touch the top of the door handle. And then, you know, be, and then by that time he'd walk in and Johnny was just like, obviously not even understanding. I don't think they even had OCD at the time. They're just like, he's crazy. <laughs> and right. now I'm going to, now I'm going to go have to live with him in this van for the next two and a half months. Right. Yeah. And you know, the, you know, the point at, that I'm making with these guys is that, you know, I think at, at one point, uh, one of his teachers told his mother, like, you know, he's not going to be okay. Like, yeah, you could hope for him to like, you know, sweep a subway street station or something like that, you know, yeah. something, you know, and these are like, you know, and boom, out comes, you know, you know what, instead of doing that, why don't I just, why don't I change the face of music? How's that? Yeah. <laughs> why don't I reinvent something for yeah. you? You know? Yeah. I um, mean, well, I mean, who who changed the face of music that wasn't already like walking down that path anyways? It's you know, a good it's point, like, yeah. It's it's rock and roll has always been an escape route for, you know, a lot of people that didn't really know what where they were gonna be going in life. Yeah. You know. Yeah, just kind of just barely scraping by. Yeah, like you take a look at the members of Motley Crue. Like, what was Nikki Six? Nikki Six just loved rock and roll. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think he was what out, you know, out on his own by age sixteen, maybe something like that. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, stole a guitar. Yeah. Now, <laughs> isn't the story like he stole something and he didn't know what it was? Like he thought he stole a guitar and he actually stole a bass or something like that. Oh yeah, I think yeah, I f- I forget the exact details of that story but i think it yeah it's probably yeah. he something. meant to steal one thing and he stole something else yeah and he's like well and then he sold that and then bought what he wanted right and ended up buying a bass um, right which is interesting because to me it's rare when the bass player is the main songwriter of the band it's not necessarily true but it's just mm. when you think of like somebody who's going to be writing songs you think it's like the piano player the guitar player the singer sure. it's like the bass player just you know doesn't usually get all that much respect you know, when it comes to the public, obviously right. us as musicians realize the bass player is like fundamentally important right. if the band is going to sound good and together or not. Right. But, you know, a lot of people are just like, well, I think to be a bass player, you just have to be the worst guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, well, you're going to play bass. Right. Jim. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean, famously, you have these artists who, you know, like Malcolm Young, for instance, was the rhythm guitarist in ACDC that no one really knew. Yeah. He, you know, obviously Angus's brother, but he wrote a majority of the songs. Yes, for sure. Uh, but was just cool just being back there and just kind of overseeing everything. I think it's the, you can't see the trees from the forest floor is what it is. I think sure. these guys have this inherent quality of being like, I can see where this is going to go yeah. before we get there you know songs too you know it's like you know obviously as musicians we famously hate the question what's your favorite band song album singer guitarist drummer whatever but i will say what's your favorite molly crusoe (laughs) (laughs) you put on live wire man and i will i will jump around i put live wire on for my little niece uh my sister had a had a baby like you know uh two years ago and I'll go out to the Hamptons and I'll, I'll go see my sister. I'll put on live wire and I'll bang my head and my niece will just laugh like there's just no tomorrow. She'll kind of throw her little hands up and stuff. There's something there. That song is an amazing song. When and those kick drums come in. Yeah. I'm a live wire. Yeah. He wrote that on a little 
little junky acoustic guitar that he had lying around, as he did with a lot of his songs. Yeah. Nikki oh. Six, yeah. Um, so that's my favorite. And I'm trying to think back to when I got that record, and I can't really quite put my finger on it. It's like one of those things where it's like, you know, it mysteriously appears on your dresser. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you, do you, were you into the crew in real time? Like for me, I came to know who Motley Crue was at Theater of Pain. Interesting. Yeah. My first introduction was Smoking in the Boys Room, killer okay. song, followed up by Home Sweet Home. I mean, that pretty much just, after a band has like two really great songs in a row, you're just like, all right, these guys are the real deal. That's, that's really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, so like you remember being like, Hey, I think the next, next album's coming out theater of pain. You know, it's interesting. Now I have two older brothers. Yeah. That was a huge window into what you'd consider to be like, you know, pop culture. So to sure, speak. Sure. Um, now I remember my brother would go and he would take a shower and when he would take a shower, he'd bring his boom box in the shower with him. <laughs> Jeff, if you listen to this, 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 I tell this story sometimes because I think it's amazing. My brother, my brother goes, and my brother is a wonderful. My brother is a very, very, very gifted classical piano player, hmm. but he could sit down and play "Home Sweet Home" and really make you think. <laughs> and he would, he'd put this boombox on. I swear to God, you'd hear it through, like you know how the 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 fog from the shower, like you know, kind of affects the sound. You'd hear yeah. this just like. <laughs> i'm like i'm like probably like eight years old at the time I'm like i don't know what he's doing in there you know he's like yeah. probably just headbanging taking a 20 minute shower and just listening to motley crew so it kind of it got lodged in my brain early on as a young kid walking up and down the stairs you know while my brother's showering and then and then my other my oldest brother would come home from work and he was a landscaper so the garage doors would go up the budweiser would come out the boom box would go on and they'd sit there and they'd fix the mowers that maybe got busted throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So we're talking like Long Island, super, you know, low middle class, you know, obviously as we know Long Island today, sure. if you want to buy a house there, you need like half a million dollars. But when yeah. I grew up there, it was, you know, it was shady. So, you know, there'd be, there'd be, you know, brothers fixing mowers, kids riding bikes, you know, rock throwing, whatever. Sure. And through it all, you Classic know, America. It, yeah. in in, you know, maybe the BB gun would get broken out. Somebody would get shot point blank. You know, it was one of those things where it was like, you know, sibling rivalry. Sure. But through it all, you know, we had Shout at the Devil on pretty often, as well as Hysteria, as well as, you know, Out of the Cellar from Rat, you yeah. know, as well as, you know, ACDC back in black, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so my first brush with that record, I'd have to say, was was probably stealing the tape from my brother's room to make a duplicate copy of the tape, which probably took each side, I don't know, I don't know how long tape cassette sides are. They can be an infinite amount of, they can, an infinite length. Yeah. So, you know, I would, I pressed a, a recording of, of yeah. Shout at the Devil and I brought my little Walkman on the, on the bus. Yeah. And, you know, I stole a shirt from my brother's room and I didn't know it was okay to wear a Shout at the Devil shirt in elementary school. <laughs> so I got, I had to turn the shirt inside out and I got in trouble. Um, oh man. But yeah, that was my first. That was my first brush with Motley Crue, and uh, you know, obviously, just listening to all of that album is—it's incredible. It's, in my opinion, it's one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah, top to bottom, excellent, excellent record. So maybe we should uh, make some tacos. Yes.
All right. So we're going to make our California style uh, bourbon marinated skirt steak tacos. Wish us luck. Folks, we're back. We've made these tacos. Um, now, I was a little conflicted. I'm going to take a bite first. Mm. It's good. Okay, last night I marinated skirt steak. Now, skirt steak is kind of a new steak for me to use. When I go meat, I pretty much just go ribeye every time. Because they're good. Um, but starting to understand the skirt steak a little bit better. So I got a skirt steak and I marinated it. I thought the most important thing was bourbon. Like that's going to be the anchoring force because we need to have an alcohol element. So I put that in and, and also we're thinking about California tacos. Um, they say that typically it's really garlicky. So we got bourbon and garlic. Mm -hmm. From there, I wanted to just kind of tie them together. A lot of the recipes that I saw when you go bourbon, there's usually like a sweet element to it. Like just bourbon and, and brown sugar go with it. No, I don't have any brown sugar. So I use what I always use in, in replacement of that, maple syrup. Put some maple syrup in. I also put in some Mike's Hot Honey, which is this, this honey that is really popular at this pizza place that I go to around the corner. And they put it like right on top of like your pepperoni pizza. And it's super good. You got sweet and you got the hot. So um, I went in that direction. I wanted it to stay hotter. So I used um, a dollop of the chili garlic sauce. It's, it's, made, it's made by, you know, the people that make the sriracha sauce. Um, but you have, to, you have to use a spoon to put it on. So that's on there. Then I didn't think it would be right to make any sort of taco flavored meat without using cumin. I always use a lot of cumin when I'm cooking Mexican food. So cumin, and then olive oil, of course. So yeah, put all those together, mix it up in a bag, and put in a couple skirt steaks. Cook them on a hot skillet, about two minutes per side. Two or three minutes, probably three minutes, honestly. Uh, then put it in a hot oven for about five minutes more. Take it out, let it rest for about five minutes so that the juices stay within the meat. If you cut it right away, all the juices are going to escape. That's what we got. That is our home base. Um, from there... The toppings, I was taking a nod from Tommy Lee's Greek Descent. I actually chopped up some feta cheese. And then also replacing sour cream, I'm using um, Greek yogurt. And I do this all the time. I pretty much don't eat sour cream anymore. It's just always Greek yogurt because in the recipes that you're putting this stuff in, uh, you're doing yourself a favor. You got the probiotics, um, you know, you can get no fat. It's just so much better for you. And you're not going to miss it. You're not going to miss sour cream. I, I don't know. Maybe if you really love sour cream, but I don't. It hasn't come up in my life where I was really missing it. And then I uh, had some pineapple around. So I cut up a pineapple. So I made two different tacos. The first one has black beans and, and avocado. These are two essential California-style taco 
additives. You're never going to find refried beans. It's always going to be full. The California style Mexican uh, veers on the side of like vegetarian and healthy and fish and that sort of thing. And we put a monkey wrench in by using skirt steak, but whatever. That's Motley Crue style, you know, to put a, a monkey wrench in all of it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's the one. We got the scallions. We got the the cilantro, um, the feta cheese, the black beans, and there you go. That's one steak. Of course, the skirt steak. The next taco, uh, we are using pepper jack cheese because I wanted to get more spice. I feel like this should be almost unedibly spicy, but I didn't achieve that. <laughs> I would say put more hot sauce on your on your taco. Once again, repeating the skirt steak, avocado, cilantro, scallions, and then this time I put on some cut up cherry tomatoes, pepper jack cheese, and a salsa of your choice. Um, ultimately a pico de gallo would be great, but I didn't feel like making pico de gallo or guacamole. And I, we should have an episode where I talk guacamole cause, um, I really love making guacamole and there's a lot to talk about, like how you like your guacamole made. So how did you, did you do kind of the same thing? I, I devoured mine. Yeah. The, the, I did the same exact tacos that you made. So when I assembled them, I assembled the, the Tommy Lee taco with the pineapple and the feta cheese. And then um, I put a little cilantro on there and obviously obviously the steak. Um, that taco was kind of the hero for me because yeah. uh, I love the pineapple, like the acidity and the sweet of the pineapple mixed with the feta cheese. Yeah. Um, both are sort of like similar in, in, in sort of texture profile. And it's like, you know, with, the, with the, the marinated steak, I mean, the marinade was perfect. Cool. Which I think, yeah, definitely. And it was spicy. I'm still getting spice. From the whole taco and then oh, the more the one ingredient i forgot to say i put in some chipotle powder mm-hmm. i've got like chipotle chili powder mm-hmm. that i try to put in everything because i just love like the smokiness of the chipotle so whenever i'm going spicy i always throw that in there that's a good call yeah when i was on tour we were down in louisiana and i picked up a canister and it's pretty popular now you can pretty much get it anywhere but i picked yeah. up a canister of slap your mama mm-hmm. the cajun style it's yeah. got a lot of chipotle in it, and it's got a lot of kick as well. But yeah, mission accomplished. These tacos yeah, were spicy. They were uh, they were creamy. They were smooth. They were acidic. They were delicious. And we used some corn tortillas that um, I bought from the Queen's Health Emporium that are all organic corn. It's funny. when You, you got to really wet them, and when you put them in the pan, you got to make sure the pan's on medium, and you got to let them sit for a little while. Not so that they come apart, but so that they just get that little bit more of a rubbery texture. They come apart a little more. Mm. All in all, traditional taco, I think you hit it right on the head, man. Right on. Thanks. You know, when, when you know what they say, once you go bourbon, you never go back. <clears throat> now, I really like corn tortillas, but I just don't know what to do with them at my place. Like, I, I, I can never get the texture right. Mm-hmm. So it's good, good to know this recipe, like putting them in the pan for, like, what do you do? Like one, two minutes? Yeah, what I do is I just, I preheat the pan. And get it nice and, you know, nice and hot. And then what you're going to do is you're going to just have a glass of water there with you. A little dabble of water. And then what you do is you, you rub the tortilla around. I like to do six times clockwise. Um, and what that does is that just, it just puts a little more moisture into it. And it, it allows it to just open up a little more. Because, yeah, if, if, you, if you just take them straight out the bag, I mean, you're just, it's just, you're going to chew it. It's going to be brittle. It's going to come apart. And corn is it's not that easy to work with. So you got to make sure you, you, you manipulate it correctly. 
Yeah, I, I just, I always go for flour for that reason. But I feel for this, it should be like a street taco. Street taco, yeah, you know? exactly. So like a street taco, I feel like that's always going to be a corn taco. It's going to be little, Yeah. you know, exactly. You get a pack of them, you get like a three pack. So for my last bite, I just wanted to announce that uh, somebody got for me as a present a bottle of truff. Um, if you don't know what truff is, it is this new hot sauce that is a truffled hot sauce. Now, I've tried it on a few things, and it's a little weird for me because there is sort of an element of sweetness to it. I mean, yeah. I mean, this sauce is just ridiculous. It's really expensive because of the truffle, obviously. Um, I'm going to try it on this taco. I think it might be the right the right ticket. So here we go. Mm. How, how spicy is that? It's not... Too spicy. Mm-hmm. Maybe not spicy enough, but it's a delicate balance because notoriously, like truffle, when you do it right, like a real truffle is a actually a really delicate flavor. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they were able to jam this in with, with hot sauce in the first place is kind of miraculous. Yeah. Um, it definitely worked. I think that was my favorite application of the truff sauce was on these steak soft tacos. Yeah, I would do that again. Um, but yeah, truff sauce is, is sweet, you know, because just, listen, I was in Italy for most of the pandemic, like 10 months. I just got back and we were in Umbria, which is right in the middle. And that is one of the biggest areas for truffles. Like there are just stores that that's all they sell is truffle. You go in and, and they've got dogs that go out in the morning and look for them and they bring them back. You can get white truffles or black truffles, depending on the season. Um, and like Italy, they don't they don't sell anything if it's if it's out of season. You know, whatever they have is like you know what they just found, and they're really expensive. Um, and they're really different than like your truffle oil. Like truffle oil, from what I understand, is not even truffle. Like it's just some really? like yeah, it's like chemically enhanced. Like typically your truffle oil that, that you get when you know when you get like fancy popcorn somewhere that's like your truffle and parmesan. Like it's not real. I mean, it, it obviously has that same aroma, that same flavor, and it's really overpowering. Uh, and that's that's kind of what happened here. That was a little bit overpowering. Mm. Um, yeah, I wasn't really tasting the taco anymore. I was just sort of tasting truffle, which is fine if you like truffle. It's it's good. I can't okay. say I'm a huge truffle fan. I, I the uh, I've been to Schiller's down on the Lower East Side. They have the truffle French fries. Oh yeah, truffle oil French fries. Sure, yeah. I mean that that's delicious to me. But other than that, I haven't really crossed paths too much with with the truffle oil. Um, I remember they. I was watching MasterChef once. They they really cracked down on this one guy because he kept using truffle oil, and Gordon Ramsay was like, "Stop <laughs> using truffle oil. Yeah, you're ruining all your dishes." You yeah. know, and I seem to remember somebody saying that they perfumists make truffle oil i think that's i think that's exactly it right. sounded so weird to me but i guess that's something that they do it's because they just know how to draw the proper you know chemical yeah. out diffuse i don't know infuse sure. it diffuse it whatever. yeah i mean traditionally when you when you have it in italy uh we would just make like a fresh pasta um and cook it in butter and really just like shave the truffle on after the fact like uh-huh. as soon as you had it like cooked it like the flavor was gone so okay. it was like always fresh um 
and it's it's a different experience because it's not overpowering. It's like subtle and delicate, and you really have to like kind of sit with it and right. and like smell it and and get the aroma. And my sister in law made the most amazing truffle pasta that we could have. And I, I have to check her 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 recipe. I felt that she kind of soaked the truffle in some oil for a while, mm. <clears throat> and then used that oil to cook everything um, and got the most out of it because mm. those daddies are expensive. They it's are crazy. Yeah, they are. But I'm happy with that. I think uh, the Dr. Feelgood taco uh, should have feta cheese. I think that's the way that I agree. Yeah, kind of worked. The feta cheese, and uh, we we discussed a, a recipe for a spicy margarita, but I don't think we ever like really locked it down. Um, no, we didn't. In terms of how to you know how to how to pair these two, because you know obviously with the when you're talking the crew, you know yeah, it's uh, you know it's gonna it's this is gonna this is gonna sit in your stomach and get you ready for a night out. Yeah. So, you know, the yeah. next stage of that. I is feel like that. traditionally you would just have a bottle of Jose Cuervo sitting next to you. There you go. Yeah. And you just kind of take a pull. The yellow kind. Yes, exactly. Like two shots the kind in that nobody like, drinks anymore. Headache, stomach ache. <laughs> I'm, I'm strong. Now I'm just oddly upset for the person I'm sitting across from right now for no, no good reason. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get into a fight right now. <laughs> yeah. We're going we're to pause the podcast while we do some headlocking and, you know, stomach yeah. shots. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but then the other conflict was that Tommy Lee is actually, uh, he's, I think he's a vegetarian. I know he's a big, he's a pita guy. Oh, that, <laughs> there's one, there's one politically and socially redeeming. Well, I mean, obviously, other than the fact, you know, Nikki Six was very vocal about the, you know, the Trump administration and everything. And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I could, I could. I could see that about Tommy. It's good because I was worried for a second. I feel like maybe Nick's, Nikki Six at the end of the day is more of a traditional conservative. No, he's not actually. I think the Trump administration asked them to play the inauguration, and I think they said yes, not understanding what they were being asked. Actually, I had to look that fact up just because I wanted to make sure. It wasn't Motley Crue. It was the Vince Neil Band. Yeah, in 2016, the Vince Neil Band was invited to play the presidential inauguration, regardless of who was going to win that year. Obviously, somebody else won, and I guess that guy didn't want the Vince Neil band. And so Vince Neil retaliated by being on the next year of Celebrity Apprentice, hosted by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just wanted to clarify. Game on. All right. So let's decide which band we're going to do next week. Oh, man. So many bands. We were talking about the Hall of Fame, and we were talking about a band that uh, you were interested to find out more about. Let's do the Go-Go's. Oh, I got a lot of reading to do because yeah. I love the Go-Go's. But as I said, I only know the staples, the hits. Of course. Uh, there is a new documentary out that we should watch okay. and find out about. Nice. There's a, lot of good, uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there about them. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. And uh, I think one of them is from uh, my home state of Wisconsin. No kidding. Jane, the, uh, I think, primary songwriter. So, all right. Let's let's mull about it and figure out what the food for the Go-Go's is going to be next week. So there you go. That was me and Charlie talking about tacos, talking about Motley Crue. He's going to be back next week when we talk about the Go-Go's, so tune in. The music you heard this week were brought to you by myself and Charlie Schmidt. Charlie's band Del Judas has a record called Deity. It's about a year or two old. It's really good. 
We heard a couple of songs from him. We heard a song by the Goddams, my super group, back from Madison, Wisconsin. All that music is available. You can hear it on Spotify and iTunes and that stuff, but even better, pick it up on Bandcamp. Until then, this is your trustworthy Captain Nathan Palin signing out. We'll see you guys next week. Cook on and rock out. Ciao, ciao.